Blog Talk Radio. talk, news, music, and information. The one purpose we have is to keep the name and memory of our beloved airline going strong and our family together. As we have said throughout the year, the years, we have become the radio voice of Eastern Airlines and with not only Eastern folks listening, but listeners from around the world. Over 50 countries now have been identified and We truly have become known around the world, and we hope to add more in 2020. We broadcast from our studio here in St. Augustine, Florida, and have hosts from many parts of the U.S. that are with us each week. You'll hear them tonight. My name is Neil Holland, the producer of the show, and we have another great show for you tonight with an all-star cast. Chuck Albright, our radio show announcer, is here to get us started. Chuck, it's all yours. Thank you very much. Well, like you said, hello, Eastern family and friends. And our producer said, we're glad you're with us for more Eastern talk, news, and information. My name is Chuck Albright, like you said, and I'm coming to you live from the villages, Florida, where the weather is a balmy 72 degrees and no rain and a slight five miles an hour wind. Let's hear from our host and ask them to give their location and their weather. And, Mr. Producer, if I miss someone, please let me know. Let's start off with my neighbors, Dorothy and Don. How are things in the villages? Well, we're doing really great here, and we're loving it, of course. And, Don, what do you say about our weather? You're going to back up Chuck or not? <laughs> well, um, we're I on to... Couldn't carry older. How does it go in the hot Atlanta area? Well, we got a lot of rain coming in tonight, and it's interfering with tree people who's supposed to come tomorrow and cut down three gum trees in my tree. And if you don't have gum trees tearing up your yard, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I have had to replace the plates on my zero turn radius about five times the belt. Well, they're not going to get cut down tomorrow, but maybe later on. Hey. Hey, Jim Holder, we call them palmetto trees down here in Florida. <laughs> well, I paid $150 to put a new belt on the zero turn radius because eat that gum, gum balls. Goodness. Well, in the state of the Big Apple, we'll travel up to Long Island where Mike Scott calls home. How's it going, Mike? 
Hey, it was a high of 53 degrees and sunny. Supposed to get down to 44 tonight, and tomorrow it's going to be 52 and sunny. And again, it's unseasonably warm. Well, that sounds great. Now let's go back to Florida. By golly, our hosts are scattered all over this great country of ours. Colleen, how are things in your area, just north of Tampa? Okay, here in Wesley Chapel, it's about 73 degrees. It's nice. Today was wonderful after yesterday. Waking up to go to the <laughs> farmer's market at 38 degrees. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it was 38 wow. when I left in the morning, but it warmed up to 73 in the afternoon, so I was shedding all my layers of clothes. But <laughs> the temperature should stay nice for the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds good. Well, let's go down to the Miami area, and we have our eastern version of 3.0 guy, Mark Porter. Hey, Mark. Um, Miami's nice. It's T-shirt weather down here. Nice and nice and warm compared to the rest of the country. (laughs) We have the nice balmy winds coming in. Either that or the aircraft from the airplanes. (laughs) Sounds great. From all our hosts, welcome, and thank you for listening and calling the show over the past nine years. You've truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. We love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called the show before, all you need to do is call 213-816-1611 and just say hello. Talk to us on the air. We're live every Monday evening. We can, we can identify with many countries around the world and listen in with our blog talk radio application. Just think, we got a new listening uh, person this week from the Czech Republic, and we are glad to have you, and thank you for listening in. That's what we try to do every week on the Eastern Radio Show. Won't you join us by adding your voice to these broadcasts? Our thanks also to those who choose to listen by computer and using the radio icon on our homepage at www.easternradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in at the site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use our call-in number 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Let me repeat that number so you can write it down for our, our Monday night visit, 213-816-1611. By the way, tell your friends about us. Our membership is growing. We're now up to 1,037 Eastern family and friends. And don't, don't forget, you can listen to any of our 448 Monday night broadcasts and our 100-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and scrolling down through the archives of our broadcast. Each episode is briefly described, and we're nearing 600 episodes now. Wow, that's a really nice group of people listening in. All because our listeners like you wanting to wanting to talk about Eastern Airlines. 
Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our host, we ask that you please mute your phone as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noise. And now, let's see, uh, we're number one for takeoff. So, Captain, let our flight 448 get in the air. Well, Chuck, uh, we like to hear our callers, and uh, we have a board full of them tonight. I see one, 206. We have a Dr. Carlene Petit that lives out there. Is that your area code, Carlene? Yes, it is. So good to hear from you. Yes, thanks. Thank good you. to be here. Okay, very good. And we got Renee up in Montreal, Canada. I think that's you, Renee. Uh, yeah, it's me, but I'm in Toronto. <laughs> okay, I am sorry. Big difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good to have you both on and just uh Barge in any time you want to. You know, we're Kitchen Table Radio. But uh, I'm sorry, Dorothy. Every once in a while I call it that. Okay. <laughs> Let's get the airplane in the air. Here we go. Let's clear. We're clear for takeoff, I think. Let's see the time. Tower Blue, 650 volt. 50, 27 left. Put a land. 230. Commercially, 
The other is the Soviet-built Tupolev TU-144, which operated in the late 1970s. Among other destinations, Concorde flew regular transatlantic flights from London's Heathrow Airport and Paris' Charles de Gaulle Airport to John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York, Washington Dulles International Airport in Virginia, and Grantley Adams International Airport in Barbados. It flew these routes in less than half the time of other airliners. What's happened to supersonic flights since 1969? Not much in the way of commercial passenger service, and that's why we decided to take a look at what we can expect in the future in the way of speed, comfort, and design of today's airliners. Mike? If time travelers from 1968 found themselves in an airport today, there might be plenty of changes that surprise them. But the planes would look reassuringly familiar. Well, there have been vast improvements in materials, engines, and avionics, helping the airline's industry become the safest in aviation history. Commercial aircraft remain structurally similar to those in the 1960s. In fact, the Boeing 727, one of the best-selling airliners ever, in its many successive versions, flew for the first time February 1963, 53 years ago. And as a side note, ship number E1 was the first one, sat in Payne Field for 25 years, and it flew four years ago today on the 3rd of March, a correction, the 2nd of March, 1916, correction, 2019-16, from Payne Field to Boeing, to the museum where it now rests. I was the co-pilot on that trip, for a side note. Anyway, but what might air travel look like 50 years from now? As we said, today's commercial aircraft remain structurally similar to those in the 60s, but the new concepts are often like Embraer's large-windowed Kyoto airship that might plane, what might planes look like 50 years from now. Carrie? Over the years, there have been some attempts to change the aircraft design model. The 1970s promised the future of supersonic travel that never really took hold. Apart from the limited flights of the Concorde and its Soviet equivalent, the TU-144. And the idea of a blended wing airliner resembling the stealth Northrop B-2 bomber has sometimes been touted, but without much success so far. A combination of technical and financial reasons has led the aviation industry to discard these rather outlandish propositions and focus on the more canonical designs that are the norm today. Will the next 50 years continue along the slow, steady path of the last half century, or will we once again see the rapid technological disruption that characterized aviation in the years between the end of World War I and the Apollo moon landings? Don't be fooled by the apparent lack of spectacular breakthroughs. Some big changes are in the offing. Yeah. And yeah, thank you, Carrie. And one design among them is the electric green. The airliner of 2068 is already in the making, and the electric propulsion is set to play a major role. Most short-haul flying is likely to go electric within the next few decades, and this will transform the way we think of air travel. Smaller electric motors will enable dis- distributed propulsion like the one found in NASA's X-57 prototype. 
Lower noise levels and operational costs will make it possible for electrically powered aircraft to fly much closer to where people live and work. In fact, several of today's most advanced electrical aircraft projects aim not only to replace ground transportation between cities as with the 9 to 12 passenger Zoom and aviation, whatever they are, concepts aim to do, but within them. Flying taxis will become a reality very soon, but it remains to be seen whether the futuristic-looking Bahana and city Airbus concepts are really the face of things to come. In any case, door-to-door flying is not the exclusive preserve of electrical aircraft. Although not a new concept, the use of tilt rotors, meaning aircraft that can transition from vertical lift going straight up to fixed-wing Confirmation where they go straight and level has so much been confined pretty much to the U.S. military like in the Osprey. However, Italian helicopter manufacturer Leonardo is now readying the commercial launch of a civilian model, the AW609, that, if successful, could potentially transform executive and regional aviation. Take it away, Dorothy. Yes, and global air traffic has been increasing steadily for decades. And now there are th- there are these newly used aircraft. The question is, who's going to fly them? It is estimated that the global commercial aviation industry will need some 600,000 pilots in the next 20 years, says Pascal Travers, general manager for the Autonomy Trust, at Airbus. Compare that to approximately 200,000 pilots currently in service. This is one of the reasons automation will become more important, he adds. Suddenly the idea of a pilot-less airline doesn't sound so far-fetched. So yes, it does. (laughs) The Mm. Sean Ferrum, an independent industry aviation expert, at Liam News refers to one-and-a-half airplanes, a term some industry executives already use to refer to the latest generation of aircraft. Take this concept a bit further, and in a few years, with enough automation built in, you may really need just a safety pilot to be there in case something unexpected happens, he explains. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. A fully pilotless airliner isn't envisaged in the foreseeable future. One of the main challenges is modeling the unknown unknowns. When the unexpected happens, a human pilot should be able to react or to draw analogies with similar situations and resolve it. But it is not so easy to teach a machine to take into account all that many variables, says Travis. Where we agree. Don? Thank you. Uh, Aviation must redesign the passenger experience. Airliner automation may not itself translate into changes in aircraft design. However, some experts see in the combinations of all these new technologies an opportunity to redesign the passenger experience from scratch. The Emirates of electric aircraft will lead to new fuselage design that, 
can accommodate passenger needs much better. That's uh, what Victor Carlos says uh, with Matthew Carey of the ACLA studio. That's a California-based design studio specializing in airline cabin design. It could be time for the tailless flying wing to make a comeback. One of the issues of the flying wing was actually passenger experience. That explains Fern. Quote, people who be seated in an uh, amphitheater-style cabin may abreast, uh, many abreast, uh, with no windows, Boeing's blended body wing uh, airlifter is a radical design in which the plane's body and wing merge into one fluid unit. In this setup, people at the edges could eventually have felt dizzy every time the aircraft turned. As dizziness depends on your visual references, you may be able to solve this by projecting images into the cabin and changing the points of reference. Lord. Even if you're able to replicate the window gazing experience, Carlos still sees a strong case for keeping windows on aircraft. Some futuristic concept shows windowless aircraft, and while there may be some structural benefits from getting rid of windows, there's also another line of thought that says just the opposite. Having some point of communication with the outside improves the passenger experience. Take a behind-the-scenes look inside Boeing's factory as a 787-9 Dreamliner aircraft is built. It's not a coincidence that Boeing's Dreamliner is the most modern, clean-sheet design feature, large windows, and that Airbus devised the cabin with transparent walls and the vision of the future it presents at the 2011 Paris Air Show. The appeal of large windows is taken one step further by Embracer, one of the executive jet designs. The Cato cabin design for its lineage 1000E aircraft features large panoramic windows running along most of the lateral wall of the cabin. Colleen? Okay, going for speed, boom. There's one area where it seems that commercial aviation has gone backwards instead of forward. Back in the day, it was possible to fly supersonic across the Atlantic. But nowadays, even those with the deepest pockets have to content themselves with subsonic speeds. Some startups are working to fix this. Boom, supersonic, a startup that has Silicon Valley incubator Y Combinator and Japan Airlines, among its investors, is developing a commercial aircraft that will be expected to fly at speeds of Mach 2.2, with lower costs than the Concorde. The Ariane AF-2 is another civilian supersonic aircraft project, this one aimed at the executive market. Although it's still under development, it already boasts a $2.4 billion order from fractional jet operator FlexJet for 20 of its AF-2 planes capable of flying at Mach 1.5. Mike? But even at those speeds, uh, Pell, next to the hypersonic speeds envisioned by some ambiguous 
or correction, ambitious research programs. The Space Liner, a project led by DLR, the German Aerospace Research Institute, would travel at the edge of space in order to fly 25 times faster than the speed of sound. This way you would be able to travel, so let's say, from London to Australia in about 90 minutes. Very often in the aerospace, in aerospace and challenges, not the technological, I got that tongue twisted there, but the financial (laughs) operational, says Rolf Henke, executive board member of the Aeronautics Research, DLR, the German Aerospace Research Institute. Blended wings have already been talked about in the 20s and hypersonic flight since the 1930s. But you need someone willing to take the risks and invest huge amounts of money. Gary? Will we get to a point where all these different technologies coexist? We may see the market split in two clearly differentiated parts. The short and medium haul will go electric, and this will happen sooner than many expect, says Francois Chopard, founder of Starburst, an investment fund and consultancy that focuses on aviation innovation. For the longer haul, we have hypersonic suborbital flight that will shrink distances between continents considerably, like, let's say, Europe to Australia in under an hour, he adds. You may add to this the last mile of the journey, journey covered by electrical-powered automated flying taxis, such as Vahana, ACLA Studios, Carlyles, and Cleary see automated flying taxis becoming an integral part of the whole air travel experience. Some tasks, like luggage check-in and identity verification via biometrics, could be completed on board in advance, fixing one of the major pain points in the air travel experience. And here is news, just off the Internet. If Lockheed Martin and his partners can pull it off, flight will never be the same. Like a bolt out of the blue, Lockheed Martin's renowned skunk works publicly teased one of aviation's greatest snark hunts, revealing plans for a successor to the SR-71, the legendary Mach 3 Renaissance Airport designed with slide rules and retired when the millennials were born a long time ago. That 59-year-old aircraft, originally designed as an urban interceptor, still holds the records for fastest, sustained supersonic flight at 2,100 miles per hour. That is much faster than a 50 caliber bullet. But the new plane just announced as the R-72 will fly twice as fast, so fast that at top speed, the very air entering its engines will be moving as fast it's an SR-71. I'm not sure I understand that, but that's what they say. Keeping combustion and thrust going under such conditions has been likened to lighting a cigar in a hurricane. The SR-72's <laughs> planned ability in a hurricane. I'm not kidding. That's what they say. The SR-72's planned ability to go from a standing start to Mach 6 and back again is a hit. Trick no one has been able to pull off so far. Yet, an SR 72 demonstrator reportedly first appeared in plain view in California in July 2017. According to Aviation Week, Skunk Works, that's that place where all these things come out of with Lockheed, 
has developed a way to run turbojet engines at very high temperatures and power levels, high enough to push the SR-72 to Mach 0.25. The ramjet, scramjet, second stage on that engine, requires speeds above Mach 3 or Mach 3.5 to operate. In other words, to stay lit. Again, I don't understand all of that. A thrust chasm, which Lockheed Martin says is Bob, although they won't say how. Don? Um, that's interesting, Jim. Very. Air freight will also be key, in, in even if concepts such as the clip air mode modular cargo aircraft or Airbus flying container remain on the drawing board for now. Says Stardust, co-op, uh, Carbird, quote, what seems assured is that there are going to be many more objects flying over our heads than there are today, unquote. And some of these guys remember the listening to the sounds of future, the 25th century. Our producer found this radio serial of an action-filled feature of aviation. Uh, Mr. Producer, can you let the boys and girls know what we've listened to back in the 40s? Rocket Rangers, man your post while post-corn toasties attend a Chris Fletcher conflict. Take you beyond rocket power. Beyond the atomic bomb. Beyond the future. To Buck Rogers in the 25th century. We are now 500 years in the future with Buck Rogers on the planetoid Magna. That is a God, I remember that series. Deal with Sid Hop Arrogant. Yeah. You know, the the writers of these radio scripts had the imagination of what is now off the drawing board and into the air 80 years ago. So everybody, I hope we enjoy. I hope you enjoyed our show tonight, and now maybe we can hear what our listeners have to say and our host about the future of aviation beyond 2020. And I do have a comment. I'd just like to bring something up uh, with this uh, coronavirus that's going around. I wonder what the uh, airline industry is doing about uh, you know these quick turnarounds where the Passengers and crew deplane, and another crew comes on, and the cleaners come on, and and boom, 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 and they load the aircraft and fuel it, and away they go. And I wonder if they're well, going to be uh, slowing down on these uh, these procedures. Don't know about that, Don, but I'd like to ask Dr. Petit what she thinks uh, uh, about the future of these uh, airplanes that are flying. That uh, will be flying in the future, like Buck Rogers. Carlene, uh, uh, you still with us? I am still here. What about the future of the airlines? As far as uh, my concern is, they're going to try and remove pilots. So we need to avoid that at all costs. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Have you heard any uh, thing of, things about? the virus that's going around and what the airlines are talking about. If you have any uh, knowledge about the uh, airline industry. No, no, 
no more so than anybody else. But there's a lot of things that that are in the news. It's um, a lot of it's a lot of it's fear based. I mean, it's a very real virus. Um, but you know, I went to actually I went to the clinic the other day to get a chest test right because my uh, allergist told me to. And unfortunately, I had been in China within 30 days. So don't if you've been there, do not go in and get a chest X-ray because they panicked. <laughs> so they whisked me away and, um, until they realized what was going on. But but interestingly enough, every uh, medical facility now has these iPads because it's automation, and you get to go to, in there and self-check in. So I showed up to get this blood work and this X-ray, and there's this pad, and I'm thinking, I don't want to touch that. Every sick person in this room is touching it. And then I realized that this is going on everywhere. So automation, you know, is instead of showing up and, and speaking to a person where they can type you in, now we're all sharing germs. So, But as far as what the airline's doing, you know, it's, it's a virus. The flu is a virus. It's going to make you sick if you're ill or elderly or have some other problems. And you could die from it, just like you could die from pneumonia or die from the flu. Um, you know, just yeah. be, preca- be, be cautious. Um, and don't be paranoid. Um, sadly, in Seattle, they just announced we have 16 cases as of today, and five of them just died and happened to be at the health facility. My husband's been going in for heart his heart issue. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And, but we haven't been there for a while. But then it made me think, okay, so it's every time I've been there with them, there are elderly people with cardiac issues. So. I think that if you have a system that could be compromised, just be really cautious. Stay away from things. Um, the masks aren't going to help protect you from getting sick at all. Um, if somebody's sick, it may protect them from coughing on, on you, but you're not going to uh, be safe if you wear a mask out in public. No. Um, it, it's more than just that. Uh, that right. Right. So the big thing is just make sure you wash your hands. And, 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 and something that I was thinking about, I do a lot of home, home Depot projects in my house. They have these really great little rubber gloves that I wear all the time when I'm painting or staining. And so I can mm. rip, pull them off and put my paintbrush, wet paintbrush in it and use it again the next day if I'm in the middle of a project. But that to me would be more beneficial if you go out in public to wear those little, little rubber gloves. And then when you come home, you just peel yeah. them off and throw them away. It's always the hand. Yeah. Right. And so, the eyes too, but, I believe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So until mm-hmm. we really know how long this virus can stay airborne and how long it can be on something, um, you know, if somebody immediately gets in and off and on on and off an airplane, and I think Prudence is last time I was on an airplane as a passenger. Uh, my seatmate, she had a little wipes and just wiped down all the trays and wiped down the screen and the table, which is a good idea anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember I when I would come through the West Indies in my days, they would sterilize the plane with a spray with passengers on board. Yeah. Well, they did. They did that when we came out of China, and because that was one of the last flights over there, and we were questioning should we go, and then we flew into China, and well, once we arrived there, we got word nobody else is we're not going to be flying in there anymore, and so we were there for. Um, for our two day, for I think it was just a one day layover on mine, but when we came back out, they had gone and sprayed our airplane with something. And I'll tell you what, I was more concerned with the chemicals that I was breathing from their spray <laughs> than I was from the coronavirus. It was pretty toxic. 
sir. That's another thing, of course. Uh, Half of the sprays that we ingest are half of the problem we have with a lot of things. Renee, any illnesses reported up in Canada? Well, I think Renee may have turned off. You got his mic on? Yeah. Okay. Has anybody ever seen the uh, the picture on the internet that the virus is uh, can be killed with uh, Lysol? Lysol, yeah. I it's on the king. Mm-hmm. Been there for years. Mm. We've got uh, area code six one zero. That's from Pennsylvania, I believe, in that area. Yeah, that's around Allentown. Yeah. Okay, Allentown. Who is that? Six one zero. Okay, just listening, I suppose. Uh, Carlene, are you planning on writing a book about the these future airplanes that we've talked about tonight? It'd be an interesting novel. Darby, maybe um, flying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, ironically, that was a that was a plan to go into that direction with automated aircraft. That was, that was going to be my, hey. believe my third novel. And because of life events and things that were happening, I thought, no, if I keep getting plot points, keep popping up in life. And so I keep writing new novels with new plot points, but yes, I do have a novel plot planned out uh, because Good. the concern is, can you do it? Yes, you can. Yes, it can be developed, but don't do it. And I will, Are we going to get Captain Darby in on that novel? Oh, definitely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. If if she can, and if she can survive her current predicament, because until you read the novel today, you don't know where what's happening with her yet. Yeah. Okay. So. so, how many novels do you have now, Caroline, that are out? Um, five, five, actually five novels. Um, but I actually turned finally turned my book. Uh, my research into a book, Normalization of Deviance, A Threat to Aviation Safety. And it's actually been been very been going very well. Somebody just wrote to me and uh uh Captain Richard Wright wrote and said he's in the middle of it, can't put it down and he said a quote that he's adding to his collection of thoughts, which is really nice, is you can't lose your skills unless you never had them in the beginning to lose. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is a very profound statement. Truism. Because now we're going to have these automated yeah. airplanes and they're going to break and they're going to, oh, the pilots lost their skills. Well, the real question is do the new generation pilots even have the skills to live? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so. It's going to be called Broken Fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sound oh. like some of them do, though, right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, the discussion, and it's uh, going to be interesting. Uh, I hope it all happens before my life. I run out of runway, and, um, <laughs> but I don't think it'll all they're, they're happen. Putting 20, in, don't worry, Captain Neil. They're putting an extension on for you. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Extend the runway. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have, I have mixed feelings about that. Do I want to be traveling when the new, when this all comes about? I don't know. 
I think that'll be the time when I officially ground myself when when they go completely to the new modern aircraft. Yeah. Well, uh, I've never had uh, the thoughts of uh, extending the runway, but uh, a couple of times I've had the thoughts of elevating it real fast. <laughs> Check, uh, but uh, good good show. Uh, we've got Mark Porter. We're going to tell tell us about the new Eastern Airlines 3.0. We call it uh, version 3.0. Mark, what what do you know about where the new Eastern is flying? Uh, well, Eastern Airlines is going to take off on the 19th from John F. Kennedy to uh, Georgetown, Guyana. It has already hired an entire uh, Guyanese uh, flight crew, which is probably going to be a, a lot better than the American flight crews, no disrespect. But the Guyanese and the foreign flight crews will just have more experience than the North American flight crews, in my opinion, that have joined Eastern so far, which is, is going to be good for Eastern. It's not going to be bad. And um, it's good to have uh, flight crews from foreign countries that have more of an input on the country you're taking the passengers to and speak the native language, whether Brazilian or, uh, I mean, Portuguese or Spanish, or and understand what the people want from you as they're going there. <clears throat> the the um, Eastern is also hiring from now till next October 100 pilots, um, which probably works out to about 27 aircraft, but they only have uh, three aircraft now. So 27 aircraft leads me to think, where are they getting all these aircraft from now to next October? Um, are they taking over an airline? Um, they have a total of something like 14 jets. That's still not 27. Uh, so it's rather interesting. Uh, I see that uh, Kenneth Woolley has two 747 freighters now and two DC-1030 freighters and one 762 freighter. So he must be slowly working on the cargo division that <clears throat> is going to make a lot of money for Eastern. 21 Air is an Eastern Airlines um, cargo airline that's been operating 2014. <clears throat> I was told that the first 777 was to come online in the first quarter of 2020. I know that N uh, 783 is all ready to come online. Um, let's see, what are my notes here? The on-time performance is so-so. It was an hour and like 20 minutes late out of Guayaquil on Sunday. Uh, I worry about when they expand to Georgetown and then to Cabo San Lucas and then to other destinations, what will they? What will it be like when they're demanding more of their fleet? I think it'd be great to have Lufthansa and Aguadilla Puerto Rico be maintaining their aircraft, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, they asked for a fleet expansion and got that from the Department of uh, Transportation. Um, Miami service will be coming online, I think it's July. And through the Alta Corporation, which is run by Richard Woolley, the brother of, 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 Rob, of 
of Kenneth Woolley <clears throat> through holding companies. That's where the foreign investment can come in. And I had a friend of mine who's pretty high up in American tell me they've been watching Eastern ever since the Japanese investment came in with Eastern. My guess is it's Mitsubishi. Because Mitsubishi can't get their aircraft in any fleet. It's a little teeny regional aircraft. And it would be a very smart move for Mitsubishi to invest in Eastern to get their MRJ jet into the Eastern fleet. Um, And he said ever since the Japanese investment came in, the uh, money there is tremendous. And El Al is investing in in the Alta Corporation as well. And that's about all the information that I have. But the 100 pilots is the most intriguing. Very good. And you can find information about that at their website as far as uh, how to submit your application and that type of thing, Mark. Right. For flight attendants uh, and pilots, mm-hmm. you can. Yeah. You, they're, they're, they have out, actually, it's another subsidiary company that does the hiring. They don't do it directly, but there is um, – a spot on that that you click and it takes you to fill out an application. Now, the people that they're hiring, uh, uh, what they do, they have good experience. Let's put it that way. Uh, flight attendants. Well, flight attendants or any other the personnel. The pilots so far, I'm rather impressed with. The flight attendants, I'm not. Um, and I think it's mainly because I don't think a lot of people thought Eastern was going to make it past a day. So I don't think you have any of the really experienced flight attendants taking them seriously. And now you may begin to. That's where I think it's so important to hire the foreign flight attendants, like from Argentina and Uruguay and Guayaquil and Paraguay and um, Brazil and that have more flight attendants with airlines in the past like Varig or Goal or Aerolíneas Argentinas or, or TAM that could bring more experience to the airline as far as in-flight service. Mark, you had, you had and I, mentioned... And I, I hear a lot of people complain about uh, Eastern not having, um, you know, the Wi-Fi and stuff like that. Well, when I flew, we didn't have Wi-Fi. And we did think of other things to do on the airplane besides be on our phones or on our computers all the time. <laughs> we we did take we even asked you know Eastern or Pan Am for a deck of cards so we could play cards on the airline. We did take books and uh, sat back and chilled until we got to the destination. And I think it would be Mike? easier for South Americans than yeah. <clears throat> Mike's got a question for you, Mark. Yeah, Mark, okay. you you had mentioned before about these uh, pilots that they hired, which were uh, the foreign pilots, which spoke spoke the language. Now, I being as I did most of my flying international, I found that this was a problem uh, because the international language of flying is, of course, English. Now, They're broken English is what they all speak. Uh, when 
uh, you were flying in Greece, so to say, or Italy, mm-hmm. or wherever, where you you know, if you had a a, a Greek flight crew uh, flying an Olympic Airlines airplane, and I was mixed in with the group, the Greeks, uh, for ease of their own uh, communication, would speak. Mike. The controller and the uh, and the pilots would speak in their own language, and and you know when you, when you are trying to listen up to find out what you have to do flying the airplane, it, it created a problem because you didn't know what they were talking about. Right. And well, maybe right. I haven't mixed up with what you were saying originally, but uh, right, uh, I was. Uh, they, they're hiring foreign flight attendants, not pilots. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I, I got it mixed up. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I heard no, the same thing okay. you did, Mike, about how yeah, they because it's a, it's a flight attendant that you really need as an right. in-house service. The yeah, pilots are from the United States. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question for uh, Renee. Renee, are you still with us? Renee, up in Canada? Oh, I think I asked... Well, hey, Renee, were you, yeah, were you working in Toronto when, when we had that strike or you had that strike up in Canada where all Mm -hmm. of the controllers wanted to speak French? Yes, I was there then. And I was in the air and I was in a holding pattern because they couldn't find anyone that would speak to me in English. True story. Yeah. Wow. Finally, they yeah. found a Unchunt, supervisor. <laughs> yeah, a supervisor finally worked us on into Montreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That was that was always a big problem, Neil, with uh, international flying with that uh, language barrier. But this yeah. is another subject. Yeah, yeah especially in Mexico City. <laughs> well, try talking to the Greeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> they got a two coffee cans and a string in the center. <laughs> uh, well, I get a lot. I get so- a lot of uh, Guyanese calling me all the time, and they're very excited about the Eastern Service coming in. Well, that's excellent. Okay, I hope they are. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks so much, and uh, we've got a couple of. Uh, folks that can tell us about the organizations that we have. Colleen, anything new happening with the Silverliners? Uh, let's see. Well, not exactly new. Um, a little bit about us, though. We have 22 chapters, and we're always looking to open up new ones. And uh, the 22 chapters plus coast-to-coast chapter that covers five regions for people that don't live near an existing chapter within driving distance, and it's open to all airlines and former and current flight attendants. We right now are represented by 50-plus airlines, and um, our convention is coming up in St. Petersburg, May 3rd through the 6th. Uh, The theme is Havana Nights, and it should be a good time in St. Petersburg. (laughs) And if anybody's interested in finding out more about the organization or becoming a member, they can go to thesilverliners.org, and all the information is right there. And we'd love to open up more chapters. Um, I do have two things that I wanted to say about what we covered before. I remember back in the 60s walking through 
the aircraft with, and I'm pretty sure it was Nassau and Freeport and having to spray a can yeah. of something. Mm-hmm. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. yeah. Might, yep. I, it was Nassau and Freeport, right, coming from there? Well, we go also from Trinidad to Barbados and they spray. Yeah. International, a lot of flights had to do that privately. You had to have spray, people you know, on? on your. What did you say, John? <laughs> well, they did it for all the uh, flights coming into Miami. Right. Even the okay. Branner, yeah. uh, the Branner interchange, we had to do it. Yeah, I was based in Miami at the late '60s. And yeah, I just remember, and it smelled awful, and I couldn't understand why we were spraying people with all this stuff. And also right. what you said about airlines, uh, what are the airlines in the, uh, doing about the uh, virus? Tonight on the news, they said that tomorrow there's going to be a meeting uh, with the administration and airlines and cruise lines. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll come up with some new uh, new regulations tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Seems like the cruise yeah. lines got the got the got the uh, franchise on that. With every time every time they go on a cruise, you get a you get a virus. Oh, yeah. I'd love to take a cruise, but I'm afraid to now. And if you yeah. look online, there's so many sales going on right now. They must all be hurting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. they are but because yeah. uh, a lot of people are very care careful about <clears throat> what yeah. yep. now. Yeah. Well, there were enough problems with. Uh, cruise ships uh, having, you know, illnesses, mass illnesses before this virus. And now it's, you know, I can understand why everybody would be scared. If the airlines are smart, they'd keep the aircraft cold when they're flying. Pardon? They are at altitude, (laughs) believe me. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Yeah. Germs don't do well in the cold. Yeah. Oh. Very good. Well, thanks. Okay, thanks, Colleen. How about it, Jim Holder? What's happening over at Reaper? And I've got a question for you, Jim. I got a question. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Will Eastern people, will Eastern people be able to send in stories for the consideration for the repartee? Let me answer answer that after I make an announcement. Okay, go ahead and make it. (laughs) March the tenth. We're having our March Reaper Luncheon at the same old place, the uh, right here in Atlanta. At, we'd be glad to have anybody come, and we're going to have a show that me and Virgil are going to try to put up. I don't know what a hot spot is, but it's something that where you can put in your laptop at a hot <laughs> spot, and then you can download something, and I'm going to drag my screen, my projector, and all my extension cards up, and we're going to show a wonderful about an hour show about the F one oh five and Vietnam War and and I've seen it on the computer and if you could Google it or something and watch it yourself on yours. But it's a it's a tremendous show. It's mainly a guy talking about the pilots and what they went through and what happened and you may remember we had uh, a guy that got shot down and spent over five years as a POW in John Vietnam. McCain. We had him mm-hmm. yeah. and we had him as our speaker at Reaper Luncheon last fall. But uh, anyhow, that's what we got coming up on the 10th. Now, you was, I believe you were getting ready to ask me about the Repartee magazine. Yep. And I will tell you this. It ain't a magazine anymore. It's a, it's a newsletter. And I've got, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at, you got to do things in 
four, like four, eight, 12, 16 pages. And I don't know really what it's going to be right now, but it's already grown up to, I think, to be about 12 pages. And it's going to be mainly <laughs> about telling people to come to our RIPA convention in late August at the Kennesaw uh, Embassy Suites. And so far, uh, I'm, I'm soliciting people to send me stuff. And I believe that uh, you got something here. Will these some people be able to send in the story for consideration? Yes, but they never did for the last year, and that was a hell of a problem for me because I was having to come up with stuff to put in there that everybody yeah. ran out the story. And, you know, that's just the way it is. But yeah. uh, I don't know if anybody can quite want to send anything now, but I would give it serious consideration. But mainly the new repartee, the newsletter, it will be uh, – won't be color, won't have a fancy front page, and won't have a lot of things we used to have. It's mainly going to be to advertise our upcoming events with uh, luncheons and especially the reunion, which we're going to be having in late August. And, Mike Scott, I'll tell you, I'm still offering to buy you a beer if you come down <laughs> for the reunion. <laughs> I'll buy you two beers out of there. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Let's try and get there. All right, appreciate the report. Dorothy, what's coming up? Well, uh, coming up, we have episode uh, 450, that's March 16th, um, How to Become an Aviation Media Expert. Now, our Eastern music will be uh, episode uh, 449, and that's going to be on March 9th. That'll be our next show after this one. But we have others that will be coming up, uh, deregulation, how does it affect airlines. We have uh, more Eastern music, and we have 10 more interesting, most interesting 2019 aviation stories. So we have a great uh, uh catalog that we have coming up and it's all listed on our website every single week we add our upcoming ones that we have and we send our news e-blast so if uh, anyone uh, is not a member and would like to join us please go to ealradioshow.com and sign in as a, uh, a newcomer and we'll be happy to send any of the, our e-blasts and keep you updated every week. Um, we have a membership of 1,037, and we hope to have more. And our major sponsor, of course, is Reaper, and their name is posted under our homepage sponsors tab. And remember, donations of $40 or more will entitle you to receive a signed copy of Neil's popular Eastern book and memories, Wings of Many, free with your donation. Please consider making a donation, as remember, it's the donations and sponsors that keep the radio show on the air, and we want to thank all of our members that have joined us in their donations in years past and look forward to the same progress as we continue. We feel our program is well-known, providing and offering the Eastern family news and information, and we're known as the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. Any correspondence and donations can be sent to Captain Neil Holland at the EAL Radio Show. Our new address is 776 
San Jose Boulevard, that's J-O-S-C for Jose, Suite 12B in Jacksonville, Florida, and 32257, I believe it is. Uh, So we look forward to all of you people joining us, and we hope to see you soon. Back to you, Neil. Rocket Rangers, man your post, while post-burn toasties attend a crisp pressure conflict. Take you beyond rocket power. Beyond the atomic bomb. Beyond the future. To Buck Rogers in the 25th century. We're in the last land in this century, so let's put it on the ground. What in the the world was that? (laughs) What I'm telling you, Mike Jones is airplane. Another great landing, Captain. Be sure to tune in again next Monday, March 9th. America's favorite way to fly. Fairness is the cyberways. We'll do foot stomping, a little bluegrass music, and Eastern history. And come and stomp your feet with our music. Our producer is telling me it's time to say goodbye. This is Chuck Albright signing off on behalf of our host. Dorothy, Don, Jim Holder, Carrie Holder, Mike Scott, Pulling the Fleet. And our producer, Neil Holland, playing sign-off music made popular by Merle Haggard, Silver Wings. Slowly fading out of sight Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind Left me standing here behind Silver wings Well, good night all, family and friends from around the world. Good night, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. We love you, Eastern. We love you, Eastern. Night. Night, Eastern. Thanks, guys. Great show. Have a good night. Thank you. See you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Colleen, for joining us, Renee. Silver King, slowly fading out of
Thank you so much. Bye-bye.